What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. Get ready for an amazing episode of the Sports Card Strategy Show right now on the NoOffSeason.com Sports Card Network. Connor and I are going to talk virtual trades with Lefty McKee, how to make them, and how to mitigate risk. We're going to talk about the impact of coaching changes on sports cards with an amazing go-where-they-ain't raw-to-grade opportunity. We'll talk 2024 Masters Preview. Is the Masters a selling marker? We'll have a card shop owner feature with our guy Chase Krim of Texas Roadshow. A preview of an amazing conversation about card design and hobby investing with our new friend of the show, DJ Ski. And of course, your audience QA and goals. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I'm Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com. This is the Sports Card Strategy Show brought to you by Graybo's Sports Cards. Graybo's Sports Cards is a local hobby shop owned by Gray Burnett, Ryan Fitz, and Duke Denny One-Time Dodson. They're located in the Arts District of Richmond, Virginia. Graybo's sports the best selection of raw and graded singles in the Mid-Atlantic and a wide variety of wax. Graybo's breaks on whatnot and or drip five nights a week. Listeners of Sports Card Strategy can receive a 10% discount from Graybo's on drip, whatnot, or their website at graybo's.co by entering the code STRATEGY2023. You can follow all of Graybo's news and updates on Instagram at graybo's underscore cards. Don't forget to get a free 30-day trial at NoOffSeason.com today to help you make money flipping sports cards, build your sports card investment portfolio, get unlimited advice from our experts, and take sports card school to navigate the hobby. That's NoOffSeason.com. Get your free 30-day trial today. All the data we use on the Sports Card Strategy Show is from MarketMoversApp.com. Use code NOOFFSEASON at MarketMoversApp.com to get 20% off for life after a free 14-day trial. All right, let's get to the Sports Card Strategy. Let's freaking go, Connor. Let's go, baby. I'm pumped up today. I love it. I love it. Connor Barnett here, head of content at NoOffSeason.com. I got my main man, Paul Hickey, beside me. Excited for today's show. It is Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. Excited for a uh, jam-packed show with a ton of value uh, and entertainment. Paul, how are you feeling about the show and, and how are things rolling? I've just been yosting it today, Connor. Just absolutely been yosting it. For those of you familiar uh, watching, this is a FedEx package. For those of you listening on Apple and Spotify, you can't see it, but I think you all know what the FedEx package means, people. That means a PSA return, so I'm excited about that. And then this box, for those of you listening on Apple and Spotify, this is the box that you get when you get an item authenticated by the eBay authentication program when you buy a card on eBay that's $250 or more. So that's a Caleb Williams uh, Bowman Chrome First Auto PSA 9 that I yosted off of eBay and I'm ready to just absolutely make some money on that. I'm just fired up, Connor. I'm just absolutely fired up. I don't know if it's because I quit my full-time job and I'm just flipping sports cards full-time and running nooffseason.com full-time with you, 
But it's just, I don't know if it's because it's almost February. I don't know if it's because I'm just absolutely crushing it for our one-on-one strategist clients. And oh, by the way, only three spots remain. So everybody needs to email me at paul at nooffseason.com so we can crush it for you and help you make money flipping sports cards. But I am fired up today, baby. I love it. Good stuff. We got a ton of jam-packed uh, content for you guys today. So we're going to talk virtual trades with Lefty McKee, how to make them and how uh, he tries to mitigate risk when making them, the impact of coaching changes on sports cards. Is it a sell marker? What does it do to players on those teams? We're going to do a 2024 Masters preview. Is there a selling marker associated with the Masters tournament? Car shop owner featuring our guy Chase Krem. Uh, we're also going to get a preview of a conversation with Paul and DJ Ski, a seven minutes of strategy preview. Um, and then we're going to round things off with some audience goals as well as Q&A. So be sure to drop your questions in the live chat throughout the show, uh, as well as your L's and W's. And we will answer and shout you out at the end of the show. Guys, if you like the content we're putting out on a daily and weekly basis, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe at youtube.com slash paulhickey. It truly helps us out a lot. Paul, anything else to add before we hop into things? Joel Kaplan, what's up, my man? My DM brother on Instagram, he's in the live chat. He says, I love pumped up Paul Hickey. Joel, I love you too. I know you and I, we get a little uh, we get a little heated with each other on the DMs, but I love you, man. I appreciate all your support, so keep them coming. And uh, Connor, I will say that um, I talk a lot on this show about how much I love our audience. And, then, and I also say the nooffseason.com fam a lot. Basically, that is code for... The audience and anyone who ever listens to the show, I consider you part of the nooffseason.com family. We are getting more and more love, but as we grow, we're getting more and more feedback. And I appreciate that. I want the feedback on the show. I want to make it the best possible show for everyone. And I will say part of the feedback that we've had is people are going, some people are saying, where's Lefty and Chad? But people who've paid attention understand like Chad's been on every single episode so far in 2024 and we got like 12 minutes of strong lefty today so let's give some live chat love and then let's hear from our guy lefty mckee let's do it cleo cards is in the house thanks for being here we got shane graham mr t joel kaplan who you mentioned a second ago and sean g red five cards thank you guys uh for being here today again make sure to drop those questions and comments in the live chat we will be sure to get to them at the end during the audience q a but first, we're going to hear from our guy, Lefty McKee, who just made one of his uh, big first virtual trades uh, recently this week. And he wants to talk about what he did to kind of mitigate risk, why he made the trade, and what uh, the upside is for him there. So, Paul, you want to let Lefty McKee take things away for us? I can't wait to hear from Lefty. I love these ideas of virtual trades. This means that it was not in person. So Lefty's going to break it down. And we've got a lot of good stuff that we're cooking up behind the scenes with Lefty McKee. There's only going to be more and more Lefty McKee and Dr. Crack right here on the nooffseason.com sports card network. So stay tuned. But for right now, everybody, let's see what Connor and Lefty have to say about these virtual trades. Lefty McKee, you most recently this week did your first big virtual trade. Why don't you break that down, what it looked like, why you did it, and what the outcome was? This gets a ton of bad press in the in the hobby. You know, like there are some guys that exclusively trade. There are some guys that always are looking for a trade, and it comes down to seeing what you like in a PC versus – and when it's all virtual, trading at a card show is a lot easier because you can see the person's entire portfolio right in front of you. You know what you have, and you can kind of peruse what they have and kind of know where you're going. 
But when when a guy comes to you um, with a when you have a listing, when they come to you and say, hey, are you open to trades? My general consensus is always just to say no, because I never think that the person is actually going to have cards that I'm actually interested in. So this guy reaches out to me. I'm selling a Patrick Mahomes Royal, uh, a Crown Royal PSA 10 card worth about $600 was the last comp. Um, I ended up paying super low on it. I got it for about $450. So I had a lot of room to go to that comp. And then I also had a Donruss rated rookie, uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, just a base card, not, ungraded. So I had these two Patrick Mahomes that I had put on Facebook and Twitter, and I had some interest come out. But then some people were not ready to buy him. They were afraid that he was going to lose, which now we know he inevitably went, uh, won and is now going to be in the Super Bowl. So his prices are going to go extremely high. Um, we saw last time he was in the Super Bowl, we saw an overall market cap raise in one week of 5% on his market pulse. So I expect that to happen again, especially because now you've got all this other uh, – media attention with the taylor swift thing coming on and there's a there's more media attention with him this year because of the fact that they weren't that good this year and now they're popping off at the end you know and i think it's going to be even more of a patrick mahomes legacy game if he ends up winning i expect that to be a more than five percent rise in his overall market pulse so i ended up investing uh right at the beginning of december in some patrick mahomes cards because i just knew the AFC was going to be a walk in the park for him, and it, that's what happened. <laughs> you know, I thought Lamar Jackson was going to have a better chance, but then boom, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets into the Super Bowl. So I, so back to the trade. This guy reaches out to me, goes, "Hey, are you open to trades?" And I had not a whole lot of interest in buying this card personally. I'd had it listed a couple of places, and I said, "You know, maybe it just depends on what you have." And he goes, "Well, what are you interested in?" And I legit told him this, Connor. I said, I am interested in cards that will be worth more money in six months than they are now. <laughs> I didn't sugarcoat it. I wasn't like, hey, I like these names. I just basically said, if you can give me a card that I'm going to make money on, I'm good to go. So the guy started with CJ Stroud, which, you know, in the next six months, you could argue that he's not going to make more money in the next six months. But the next 12 months, you could say C.J. Stroud's probably his value is probably going to go up as cards start coming out. And, you know, I'm all in on C.J. Stroud. We've talked about it at length um, at NoOffSeason.com, where Paul has pumped the brakes for me saying his cards are not out yet. And I'm just like, C.J. Stroud, let's freaking go. You know, so as soon as, as, soon as he said that, I was like, OK, well, I'm interested. And uh, so then he started throwing some baseball cards out there and I wasn't interested in any of them because. You know how I do. I'm all in prospects. Most people want to give me tops chromes and stuff of like whoever else is already in the major leagues. And I'm like, no, thanks. Then he started showing me some basketball players I'm not really excited about. And I was I was expecting this to just go downhill pretty quickly. Then he brings out a Joe Burrow PSA 10 optic uh, pink rated or rated rookie. And I was like, ooh, I know that card's around $250 raw or uh, $250 right now. And I know that there's probably gas in the tank on this card. And so I was like, okay, I know there's gas in the tank if these CJ Stroud Raws that he's showing me, he's got like a purple silver disco prism, uh, two purple, or uh, sorry, excuse me, two orange disco prisms that look really nice. They look like they could grade well. And then a regular prism and then an insert. So I'm about 
300 in value on the CJ Stroud, about 250 on the Burrow, and then he ends up also putting cash in the deal. So I end up saying, okay, so we're up to $700 value for me, and I have about 600 invested in these two cards. And so it's already looking like a win for me, but the main problem is still in front of us, the actual transaction, because there's no security and the PayPal and all this kind of stuff. The one thing that I felt good about is I held the more valuable cards and he was going to have to actually send fiat currency, you know, like the dollars. And so I said, here's my, here's my info. If you want to reach out, I will print your tracking number and then I'll get a tracking number because I said, okay, that's about $5. You know, I paid for tracking. That's $5 invested in this. As soon as you get tracking, you can send the money. And then when you send the money, I will video myself dropping the cards into the mailbox. And so I tried to back myself up as much as possible, especially after coming off of a $80 like uh, ding a couple of months ago that we talked about. I was a little nervous, but this guy was incredible. The cards got to me in two days, Connor. I don't know how the USPS got them here this fast, but they look great. The burrow is nice. I've got them all in hand. Um, he's got all the Patrick Mahomes. He got them all before he, oh, that's not one. This is a uh, Gio Reyna card that I bought, but that's totally different. Um, and so, yeah, I'm six. It was a successful transaction. I'm, there is, in fact, people that are trustworthy in the hobby. And so mark your calendars. There's still good people in the hobby that can do Internet transactions and trades. And it's the first time I've done it. So there's a couple of good things that I want to discuss here. One, uh, Burrow's been a hot hot name for us across the, across the network. Sports Card Strategy Show, Paul's big on Burrow right now. It's a good time to buy. I was starting to see prices kind of dip for him. Obviously, you had the injury. Bengals eliminated from playoff contention. It's kind of like a perfect storm for Burrow right now. So love this. Another thing that you did is you need to give yourself some credit because it's been it's been more than a few weeks that you've been pitching buying Patrick Mahomes because you thought he had a cakewalk uh, yeah. through the conference to get back to the Super Bowl. You were freaking right. Yeah. So now you're Come using on. now to remove risk, and this is your exit strategy. And not only are you exiting to get uh, more value back, but it's cars that you think you're going to see increase in value. Uh, over yeah. the next whatever maybe six to 12 months so yeah. really strong stuff here and let's, i'm grading let's... all of these cj stroud cards so if nice. these come back as as tens that that's a big win for me yeah can get some want, serious additional statistically value this joe burrow card i got 250 dollars value on it statistically connor this col this card has sold 29 times over the past 365 days 26 of those 29 have sold for more than $250. Yeah. And I more, got yeah, and I got 250 for it. More evidence that it was like the perfect time to pick up Burrow really there. Uh one I think a point important takeaway obviously is like this is your big first virtual trade. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, like the main you mentioned them but let's like briefly recap what are the most important parts for our audience members listening that may be interested in doing trades virtually to remove risk. Like what are the main points to make sure that you kind of cover your own butt? Take it slow. You know, if a guy is trying to bust a transaction in five minutes, it's probably not right. You know, like this guy and I went back and forth for a good part of a day. You know, I would forget about messaging him back um, and it, it would be several hours. And I said, hey, man, I'm at work, you know, and if they have patience in the transaction, that's a good sign. So if they're like, hey, I really need to know if this is if you're going to go through with it, that's that's a sign for me that. 
I'm not into the transaction. If he is telling the truth and he's got another person on the line and all this kind of stuff, then I'm okay losing a transaction like that for this kind of card. But on the other side, he could just be like wanting me to get in an emotional experience with him. And as soon as the emotions get high, you have a fear of missing out. And all of a sudden you make a, a move that's too soon. That's exactly what happened with me when I lost money in the Wyatt Langford. Because I found I, I was looking for Wyatt's everywhere. They were screaming all over and all over eBay. They were going off and on. You know, people were buy it nowing super quick. And I was just like, I got to get this one at a good deal before it leaves. And the guy ended up being a transaction. So be patient. The second one is always create some sort of auth uh, of of authorizer it's not always easy when you're creating that in a connection with a messenger but what i always ask him to do is i always ask him to coin the card again um and for this time what i mean by coin the card is that means like he'll put the card in a picture and then he'll put another piece of paper in the picture with his name the time and the date so you can't right. it's not fraud you can't you can't fraud that as well so what I did was I had him coin not only all the individual cards, but then after a while, after we like came down the road, I had him coin again all of the cards together. So it was just like that was another added layer of respect. And then, you know, like there's a give and take with I paid $5 to get the money from Venmo, you know, because I had to buy the tracking number. So there's just a little bit of respect. Sometimes you have to risk a little bit more than you're, then you're willing to, but in this case, I felt super confident. The guy was had vouchers. He was on the Facebook page everywhere, and I felt like it was a good thing to do. Yeah, really, the last couple parts were the very important ones to me. Additionally, you did a good job of like trusting gut instincts, not rushing things. But someone that has vouchers for uh, and is across maybe a page that you've spent a lot of time in, like at that point, you know they're likely a legitimate seller. So I think like you have to be super risk adverse in these scenarios where if they seem even semi sketchy probably not interested in a virtual trade would you agree there absolutely like if there was any sort like it was even almost at the point where i backed out connor because i was like oh, this guy's got a lot of stuff that i'm not really interested in he's just trying to ding me on value and then he shows up to the party with some really nice cj stroud and joe burrow cards and i'm like oh okay you know like this is a little bit different now you know it's not like a Giannis insert from a year ago you know like and i'm gonna have to put a hundred of these together to make the value for the patrick mahomes card so um i think he was testing out how serious i was and then i was you know as i kind of pushed into ex my expectations very early on of saying like i'm looking to make money here i'm not looking to bring in you know a, a, an autograph for a pc you know so well good stuff lefty thanks for the personal anecdote and kind of discussing what you do to make sure in these virtual trades that you're staying away from risk and uh, putting yourself in a good spot. And we're definitely excited to hear how these cards do for you in terms of panning out as a, as an increased value in terms of an investment. So definitely keep us posted there uh, yeah. and congrats on the first big virtual trade. Welcome a Webb and Brad Smith to the live chat at youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Phenomenal job hearing from lefty McKee there on his virtual trade. Connor, good work. Sounds like he used Facebook messenger, uh, Facebook groups and then and then coordinated the trade via messenger with with the person that he hooked up with in the group. I really love that. I think it's valuable content to the audience. It's not something I've ever done. I've never conducted a trade for the same reasons Lefty said at the beginning of that segment. And I love that he said, I'm interested in cards that are going to go up in value over the next six months. That was probably probably my favorite part. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, being patient, creating some sort of authorizer. He said, like, coining the card multiple times. I thought that was great. And then, of course, checking for vouchers. And I think he said he used... Did he say what payment gateway? He said he used Venmo for his part, but he received money, correct? So he, he was... He traded a Mahomes and uh, received a bunch of CJ Strouds, a Joe Burrow, and eighty dollars. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of good takeaways here from Lefty. I think he did a good job of like implementing several different guidelines. Really. So one, he made the Mahomes call several months ago, and like to to remove his risk, he got out of it with a trade while finding cards that have additional upside. So not only is he moving the Mahomes card at a point where the value started to peak. And he wants to get rid of it anyway to mitigate risk from depending on how the Super Bowl goes. But he's also picked up a card in Joe Burrow that has seen dips lately, has high upside in a clear sell marker. Uh, and he's got someone like C. Dice Child that he believes in uh, can make money for him in the next 12 months. And then he also does a great job of kind of talking about, like you mentioned, those key indicators for how to uh, mitigate risk. Because ultimately, you know, you're kind of going in blind to these trades when you're not actually with the person. Uh, can definitely be sketchy, if it's, especially if you're investing in higher end cards there. So good work by Lefty in terms of giving us the full breakdown on how to uh, mitigate risk in making those online trades and definitely excited to see how it plays out for him long term like you mentioned he's trying to get those cars that he thinks are going to go up in value so good work from lefty mckee there yeah one thing i want to mention real quick as we welcome in uh one galaxy germ barry sif and jason mann to the show barry's driving to vegas good good work barry um drive safe while you listen to the show um and comment there are services that I have not used yet, and I'm curious to see if our audience has used them. I know some people in our audience have used these these services, but I would love love it if you drop a comment below at youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Veraswap is one of them, and then mycardpost.com. Those are two services that essentially are set up for virtual trades. And next time we check in with Lefty on how this trade went, in the long term for his, you know, his winning 2024, which we check in with him on often. I'd love to know if he has ever tried Veriswap or mycardpost.com. I'm wondering if any of you in the audience have. Let us know in the comments below at youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Those are two platforms that you can create an account on. And just looking at mycardpost.com, if you go on there and you start uh, searching for cards, it's like looking at listings and you can just click a button that says trade. And um, I haven't done it yet, but it's pretty cool. So just wanted to throw that out there. Lefty's method seemed like it worked for him. I think many people in the hobby are probably using that method of, you know, Facebook groups and vouchers and things like that. But I would encourage people to try these services like Veriswap and mycardpost.com and report back to us on how they work. Yeah, good points there. I think Veriswap and my card posts are definitely interesting concepts, right? It's essentially a marketplace for people that just want to trade. And uh, just having that extra layer of security through a third party kind of voucher, as long as they have good reviews, I think uh, can give you some peace of mind there, knowing that there's someone else actually involved in the transaction that at the end of the day has some sort of liability to it. So good points there, Paul. Um, speaking of, of some swaps lately, there's a lot of teams in professional sports that have been making changes, some coaching changes, both in football and basketball. We have done some uh, pretty solid research in terms of what that does to card prices. Uh, swapping out guys at the helm, does that make the star players for those teams spike? What truly happens? Paul, you've got some really good research to share, so go ahead and hop right into it. Gerard Mayo used to be on my uh, individual defensive player dynasty fantasy teams back in the day. He was hired by the Patriots as their head coach on January 12th to replace Bill Belichick, something that I didn't 
didn't really even know had happened. Um, and when he got hired, uh, I'm just going to give a couple of pieces of data here and then we'll talk about it at the end. Ramondre Stevenson's 2021 Prism 367 base raw went from 99 cents to $2.33 at the announcement. So nothing huge there from a dollar standpoint, but that's more than double on a pretty liquid card. Ezekiel Elliott's 2016 optic base raw went from $2 to $4 on the announcement. So again, the same thing. Now the Patriots have $73 million in cap space this off season and should revamp the roster. So the real impact and plays could come later this offseason, depending on who's actually on the Patriots roster, because Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott are not exactly big names in the hobby. Antonio Pierce was hired by the Raiders as their head coach on January 19th, their full-time permanent head coach after being their interim coach at the end of the 2023 season, replacing Josh McDaniels. Josh Jacobs is a free agent. His most liquid cards are down over the last 30 days by 40 to 50%, so zero impact there. Brian Callahan was hired by the Titans on January 22nd. Callahan just completed his 14th season in the NFL. He served as offensive coordinator with the Bengals since 2019. All in all, Callahan has 18 years of coaching experience. In Cincinnati, he was an instrumental part of Joe Burrow's development He's been a part of Super Bowl winning teams in Denver in 2015. And of course, the Bengals team with Burrow that went to the Super Bowl in 2021. He's worked on a variety of dynamic offenses with top flight quarterbacks at each step of his career. He's shown the flexibility and intelligence to make an impact. And boom, Will Levis's 2023 Prism 397 Silver Raw did see a big jump, Connor, from $38 to $59 within 48 hours of the announcement and has stayed at $45 plus since. So that's super liquid card has gone up. And then one more big quarterback impact here. Jim Harbaugh was hired on January 24th. This is the most anticipated hire. He was hired by the Chargers and Duke Denny one time Dodson was right. Duke, our guy from Graybos, said that when the Chargers hired a new coach, it would positively impact Justin Herbert's card value. Duke said this right here on the Sports Card Strategy Show back in late December. And boom again. Herbert's 2020 Prism Base 325 PSA 10, $76 pre-Harbaugh hire, $117 immediate post higher selling price and still holding strong right at that price. Two more head coaching changes that I'm aware of with some data to report. Raheem Morris was hired by the Falcons on January 25th. He was a defensive coordinator from the, uh, for the Rams, but he's the former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you guys remember that, uh, no major changes to key players cards here. Drake London, Bijan Robinson are the two guys I'm looking at in Atlanta. The Falcons have the eighth overall pick. We figure they'll have to make some type of move for a quarterback, possibly Drake May, possibly Bo Nix, who knows. Um, and then the last one, Dave Canales was hired by the Panthers on January 25th. They believe he is the right man to fix Bryce Young. He has experience with Baker Mayfield last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Geno Smith in 2022 with the Seahawks. A quote from 
Towson University coach Pete Shinnick, who coached Chanel, who coached Canales in college at Azusa Pacific. He says this is the perfect guy to get young back to the level that we saw in college. I'm sure Dave will break him down, show him where he's at, what took place, where he can be, and what he can do. Geno Smith, of course, won the comeback player of the year in 2022. And he agreed with the quote uh, from our guy, Pete Shinnick. So um, some Bryce Young data, Connor. Bryce Young's 2023 Prism 311 base raw is down 79% since the release of the 2023 Prism football boxes. It opened at $20. And this is why we say to wait for a while after a new release comes out. It's $4 right now, though. It's tr It's been trading at $4 for a while. So when we talked about the bump with Levis and Herbert earlier, they each got quarterbacks. I mean, Harbaugh was a quarterback. Harbaugh took Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl as a youngster. And so Harbaugh's a quarterback guy. And then, of course, Brian Callahan, Burroughs guy, we see a bump in Will Levis's price. I wonder, you know, we've said to fade Bryce Young, but I kind of want a flag plant here on the Sports Card Strategy Show and say, this could be a good go where they ain't. Bryce Young raw to grade opportunity at $4 per. I don't love base cards and I don't love buying into a rookie card prior to see three to six months after all of the rookie cards have been released. But sometimes we say, Look at your blanket statements and see if there's something that goes against the grain. Maybe this is a go where they ain't opportunity where we buy Bryce Young base prisms in bulk and we grade them. And if we're holding PSA 10s and he does actually improve the way that Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith have under Dave Canales, we could make some money. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I like this. And I think another thing to mention, you know, you talked about how typically you're waiting for those three to six uh, months to invest in these in the right card for for, for rookies uh, after all of their rookie cards have released. Well, it's such a low investment on your end. I mean, you mentioned it's down to four dollars. Um, so you have the opportunity to, to get it graded to increase in value. Then, like you said, the hype uh, induced uh, kind of position for Bryce Young, where uh, he's got someone that they think uh, has a track record of improving quarterbacks that are struggling a little bit, getting them to their full potential. I think this is a good play uh, that could have some good upside here uh, for Bryce Young. Connor, you're our basketball expert here on the NoOffseason.com Sports Card Network. You dug into a basketball coaching hire that made headlines this past week. Why don't you tell us if that coaching hire had any impact on the card market for the Milwaukee Bucks? What did they do? Yeah, so the Bucks went and picked up uh, well, they got rid of Adrian Griffin, who was fired after a 30 and 13 start, might I add, uh, and decided to go and get uh, none other than Doc Rivers, which personally I don't love. I'd be curious to see Dr. Crack, Chad Gill's thoughts on this. Uh, apparently, the market doesn't really like it either. If you look at Giannis's card market uh, since hiring L Rivers and prior, essentially no change. So last 60 days, it's down 2%. Last 30 days, down 2%. This is his graded card market, by the way. Uh, last 14 days down 1.7% and last seven days down 1%. I don't know that Rivers is the guy for them. He's got 111 and 104 playoff record. Obviously, he won that title in 2008 with the Boston Celtics uh, and made it back to, to the finals in 2010, losing to the Lakers in game seven. 
since then they haven't he hasn't made it past the second round of a playoff uh series since and he's had unbelievably talented rosters with the clippers and 76ers so i think ultimately the buck success kind of lies with the players here they're 32 and 15 and second in the east uh, in their first year kind of sorting the dynamic between dame and Giannis, which to me is extremely impressive so that makes me think you know maybe there was something happening behind closed doors uh with the removal of griffin rather than something performance-based i know dr crack wasn't a fan of him and neither was Giannis. he came out uh, well there was a report that came out that said Giannis had lost faith in him so naturally, I decided to dig into Giannis a little bit. Like I said, the hiring of Doc Rivers didn't really see a spike in Giannis's market. Uh, actually, if you look at some of his cards, there's some opportunity with Giannis right now. So if you look at his 2013 hoops base in PSA 10, it's down 43% the last 60 days and most recently sold for just 125 bucks. So I think that's an interesting buying opportunity for Giannis there. And ultimately, it gives us more insight to what do we think the trend is here in terms of what happens when uh, teams hire new coaches uh, relative to the top players on those teams and their sports card markets. Paul, what's the takeaway here? Well, I think you broke it down perfectly with Doc Rivers, and it, it kind of encapsulates my worry about NBA cards during the season. Uh, it, I struggle to find the selling markers. And I, I talked about that since October on the Sports Card Strategy Show with buying into NBA guys during the season. And as much as I love our guy, Dr. Crack, and I know he's probably he's probably watching live right now. He says he watches live, and then he said sometimes he doesn't comment because he then gets inundated with people asking him questions and things like that. And by the way, you can still ask questions for Dr. Crack on the Overflow Show. He's going to be on the Overflow Show this Friday for premium members. So if you want to ask a question to Dr. Crack, it's still the best place to do it at nooffseason.com slash ask as a premium member. But uh, Crack bought into this Giannis Hoops PSA 10 situation back in December. He was buying them up like crazy. I don't know if you guys remember that. But uh, he bought them at around, I think, the $200 price point. And I was tempted. I was tempted to go his way. But wow, you're right. That card's down to $125. I just, I, I just kind of have faded basketball during the season this year. And I, I set it as far back as October because I, I just can't see a selling marker for it unless your big names win the NBA title. So I'm not saying don't buy basketball cards. That would be a blanket statement. We're definitely recommending that there are a lot of basketball cards to buy right now. Our one-on-one our, our -on -one strategist clients, we're, we're sending them links to basketball cards to buy right and left with, with some selling markers that we think will happen. But uh yeah, obviously this coaching change thing uh, has zero impact on the Bucks situation, but I, but I do think like this Giannis 2013 hoops base PSA 10 will go back up. I think it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a big playoff performance by Giannis, which we know he's capable of, for it to go back up, and I think it will. I think I think that will happen. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. You know, there's other guys, Jason Tatum. SGA, Ant-Man, that we, you know, that we're looking into all sorts of opportunities, Tyrese Maxey. So, you know, we'll report back there, but it, but it's clear that, that the coaching change situation does nothing for, for a price move in the basketball market. Yeah, totally agree. And just for some clarification, this $125 sale was a little bit of an outlier. Uh, it was the most recent sale, but before that, all the sales were sitting kind of in that $200, $215 range. Uh, so still a really affordable card for Giannis. And if you look at the trend line for it, 
uh, even just the past 30 days, it's a healthy decline. Drop it back to 180 days, you'll see the same thing. So I think it's a good entry point on Giannis if you're curious. And also, this is something where, I mean, we're looking to dive deeper and kind of find the hacks for basketball cards, but I think you make a really good point, Paul. I think ultimately a lot of it comes down to seasonality. I don't know that there's that many performance-based markers that will give us the spikes that we're looking for. Uh, even, I mean, look at Joel Embiid, look at Devin Booker, look at Luca, guys that dropped 60 and 70 points, throw Cat in there. Their card markets didn't see extreme jumps like we thought they would. I mean, there, there were definitely some spots where guys could, uh, you could get rid of some cards, maybe if you were holding them, waiting for a marker, because they did see, you know, a little bit of a jump. But you would think when you're seeing guys with 70-point games that you'd see some serious spikes. I mean, if we put that in football terms, if Mahomes went out there and threw for 600 yards, imagine what his card market would do, you know. So um, it's interesting to see kind of the discrepancy between uh, the sports like that. And and I think you make a good point that it's tough to find those markers. So it's definitely something we want to dive deeper into and kind of find more opportunity uh, to make serious profits flipping sports cards or basketball cards. Yeah, and I'm, it's funny you mentioned football because I've said on the show several times in January this past month, I believe that when football's over, you're going to see a situation where basketball cards start to come back again. I think that while we care that Joel Embiid put up 70, which, by the way, like broke a lot of Wilt Chamberlain games. It, it, it broke Allen Iverson's high game for, for the Sixers. I mean, it's a pretty darn impressive 70. And then Luca, of course, like Luca, I think that that 73 that he put up was like the third most amount of points in a single NBA game of all time behind Wilt and Kobe. So that's, that's crazy to see that. I think if those games would have happened in March after football, bit much bigger impact on the card market because I think everybody's still focused on football right now with the Super Bowl a couple of weeks away. And um, yeah, I do think, you know, people are asking in the live chat right now about that, that Giannis sale, which I shared on my screen a minute ago from market movers. And yeah, it went down to 125 from, uh, you know, it sold for 229 on the 23rd of January. It sold for 215 on the 24th of January. No reason why it should have sold for 125 on the 25th of January, but I'll say this. Doesn't matter. What matters is that people are out there yosting each other and they're going, look, this sold for 125. I'm only going to give you 125 for it now, or I'm only going to give you a hundred for it now, um, knowing that it's really a 200, $230 card. So it, as much as the one outlier sale doesn't matter, it actually does matter. It presents an opportunity for more people to go out and get it closer to that $100 price. I don't know if you guys can go out and do it, but if you're listening to this show, it's probably a good opportunity that Connor found for you guys to go out and try to get this card in PSA 10. 2013 hoops base, just regular, no, no red back, no, no black back or anything like that. 275, number 275 PSA 10, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Maybe try to get a snag that based on that comp. Go try to get it for around that comp because I think you'll see those next sales, especially post-Super Bowl, go up to where Dr. Crack thought they would go uh, earlier than this. And I mean, if it's to Dr. Crack's uh, credit, I mean, it did sell for 280 on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and so if he bought it for 200 and then flipped it for 280 on New Year's Eve, you know, he's winning. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity within this Giannis card. And again, I think uh, within all basketball cards, and I do think that the NBA cards are going to bounce back somewhat immediately after football season is truly over after the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, totally agree. I think like the NFL, it's tough, especially if you're a fan of basketball like we are, Paul. It's tough to comprehend how much bigger the NFL is in the United States uh, and in the card market, really, than, than basketball is. If you even just looking at viewership to kind of support an argument here, if you look at last year's NBA finals, uh, the average view per game in the NBA finals was 13, just under 13 million viewers per game. If you compare that uh, to the Super Bowl of 2023, it pulled in over 110 million viewers, right? So we're talking like eight to nine X the viewers uh, from the biggest games of the respective sports. So, um, I mean, ultimately, football just has such a, a larger market share dominance uh, than the NBA. Maybe not necessarily a direct correlation to sports cards, but it's definitely something to, to take a peek at. And maybe is why uh, basketball cards are kind of overshadowed right now, even though we're kind of getting into that playoff push uh, serious time for the NBA. So good points there, Paul. Um, speaking about big time events for the respective sports, my favorite event of the year is the Masters tournaments, which we will see at per usual in April. Um, biggest golf tournament of the year for some of you that are not uh, up to date in the golf scene. It starts uh, the major championship kickoff. And for those that love golf, uh, it's pretty much everyone's favorite weekend. A lot of people are glued to their couches. So let's look at what the masters can do to sports cards paul you got some information based on previous winners uh, is the masters a selling market for people that are holding golf cards should people be buying golf cards previously in hopes of using it as a selling marker go ahead and hop into things paul yeah let's deep dive into this real quick so i'm gonna review the 2023 masters results along with the impact on their cards the masters in 2023 took place from april 6th through the 9th John Rahm of Spain was the winner. His 2019 SI Kids Base Raw sold for $20 on March 5th, so a month before the event. And then it sold for $40, twice the price, on the Sunday that he won the, the Masters. And this is Rahm's only card. This is his only real card. Any other Rahm card you'll find probably won't be the right card for Rom. So 2019 SI Kids Base is his rookie card. Upper Deck has faltered in the golf card space that uh, we wish that Upper Deck would do a better job of actually making golf releases every year with true rookie cards in them for every single golfer. It would do wonders for the golf card market if they would do that. Mike LaCousta, shout out uh, the golf card collector on Instagram and host of Fondling Cardboard. He and I have had many discussions here on the nooffseason.com network about the fact that Upper Deck has really pooped their pants related to creating golf cards. But uh, this ROM card, while it did double, it could be due to the fact that it's a raw card. And so you, what we could have seen is we could have seen a raw card in worse condition sell on Mar March 5th, and then a raw card that looks like it's in better condition could feasibly sell for double a month later. So while it could be coincidence that it doubled on the day that he won the Masters, my money is on the fact that his Masters win did have an impact on that sale. Now, the runner-up, there was a T2, a tie for second. Brooks Kepka, his 2015 SI Kids base raw, sold for $13 on February 14th, so a couple months before the tournament. It sold for $150 on this would be April 8th, so a month after. Uh, no, no, sorry, during the tournament. April 8th, during the tournament, it sold for $150. And I believe, Connor, he was in the lead 
after Thursday and Friday. I don't remember correctly, but if the 8th was Saturday, that sale was on the Saturday. And so from $13 two two months prior to the tournament to the Saturday of the tournament when he was going in with the lead after the cut, $150. That, my friends, is a true performance spike. And then who did he tie with for second? Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson, 2002, upper deck number 41, base PSA 10, a pop just under 500, sold for $62 on February 19th, 2023. And then a week after the Masters, sold for $168. That's a true performance, Blake. Why did it sell for a week after the Masters? Well, because some smart, probably a listener of the Sports Card Strategy Show, listed it in a seven-day auction on eBay, most likely, and took advantage of the performance spike there. So from $62 to 168. So Connor, I believe that is evidence that if you pick the right cards for the right players and use the masters as a selling marker, you can make money. Now I'm going to hand it over to you to dive into some research that you did around what could happen in the 2024 masters lead up. Yeah, let's do it. So first, let's. I want to keep kind of looking at trends to to establish our strategies and, and guidelines here. So there's no complete golf conversation without mentioning Tiger Woods in 2023 at the Masters. He missed the cut. Uh, so let's talk about his 2001 Upper Deck Base PSA 10. This is a card that you mentioned, I believe, a couple of months ago, um, and it didn't see any significant spikes last year from his participation. Uh, it is not a card actually that I'd recommend picking up right now. I think the key to purchasing this card would be its seasonality. You got to purchase during the winter, like you recommended, Paul, uh, kind of in that 200 to $225 range and sell during Q1 uh, of the following year when the major championship hype uh, kind of presents itself. So if you look at his market for this specific card uh, on February 23rd of 2023, uh, sold for $347 and $336. Uh, and that trend kind of extends into the uh, after the Masters. So you look at May 23rd of 2023, sold for $340 right after PGA Championship. And Tiger didn't even play in that. So um, I think this is a card that's like big seasonality based. And if you didn't purchase it, you might be too late to try to purchase it. Um, another guy to watch might be Jordan Spieth. His 2015 Sports Illustrated for Kids base in a BGS 8.5 is actually his most liquid graded print, uh, according to market movers. It hasn't seen notable spikes the last couple of Masters, but worth noting here is that he missed the cut in 2022. He was T46 in 2020. And while he did finish tied for fourth last year, it was a backdoor finish, shot six under on Masters Sunday. and wasn't really in contention entering Sunday as he was eight shots back heading into the final round. Uh, however, he does have six top finishes at Augusta since 2014. Some people just love playing there, Paul, and he is one of them. Uh, if he contends on a Sunday, I would expect his cards to go up. I think the takeaway here is that if you're holding golf cards and hoping to move them, uh, it will likely take performance-based spikes to see some serious movement here. Masters hype, quote-unquote, alone isn't really the marker here, I don't think. Based on the information that you presented and that I presented, really, no significant spike except for the guys that really contended and uh, the winners, essentially. So pay attention, sign up for sell alerts, etc., Ultimately, Paul, I don't know that it's a sports card strategy for us to recommend buying cards based on performance speculations. But if you're enjoying the hobby uh, and it's a priority for you to be enjoying the hobby and you want to sprinkle on top names like Rom, Spieth, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Koepka, like the guys that we've mentioned, you could see spikes if they perform well. And then you can have some skin in the game if you just like uh, doing that and enjoying it, watching uh, the tournaments. Uh, and another thing that I want to mention is that while golf isn't big in the scene right now, if the game continues to grow, which it is, golf is growing like crazy. If new prints are released, we could see more liquidity, more demand, more interest in the golf card market. 
uh, and essentially at that point have more predictable hype induced market spikes from bigger tournaments like this. I think right now one of the things that makes it difficult to kind of match up trends is that we just don't have that much sales data, right? There's not that many cards available. There's only a couple top players that sell frequently. Tiger Woods is the only PSA 10 guy or only player with PSA 10 cards that has sold in the last 14 days. You know, so that gives a good indication of kind of where the market's at right now. I think as we get into kind of major season, that that kind of liquidity and sales movement is going to move up, but it's still not at a point where it's easy enough to predict market volatility and kind of set our own guidelines to make money flipping golf cards. Just my thoughts. Yeah, great analysis there, Connor. I totally agree with you. I think having cards of some of the top guys, getting them for deals throughout the year and then holding them before a tournament like the Masters is probably the only real potential golf card strategy. But even then, it's very risky because, to your point, there's like no sales data at all. And, and it's very hard to to move these. The, just the market size is, is nowhere near the market size that it is for baseball, basketball, football, even soccer, even, you know, other, other sports like even UFC or F1. They've just, all these other sports, even tennis, has done a better job than golf and it's really upper decks fault. It's really upper decks fault that the golf card market is not better than what it is right now. You know, I, I'm looking at holding, I've got two cards. I've got the 2019 ROM in a PSA seven and I've got a 2017 SI kid, Scotty Scheffler in a PSA five. And I'm looking to unload them at the masters because they're just, they're hard to move. I hope those guys play well because then I could move it for a profit. But I mean, if you go on eBay right now and search Scotty Scheffler 2017 SI for kids rookie card, it's number 640. Don't get duped. He's got multiple SI kids cards, but if it's after 2017, it's not worth anything. I mean, Scotty Scheffler could be another guy. The only reason I, uh, the only reason there's a potential play there with Rahm and Scheffler is because literally they're top players in the world and it's their only freaking card. So right. when you have like, when they have one card, it's a play, but to your point, it's risky. So I don't, I, I love it. If you love golf, if you love golf and you want to have some fun with this, you can be patient and make some money and there's still time to do it. It's January 31st today. That's why we're talking about it because you got about a month to scoop these cards up before they spike. So go ahead and let us know how it goes. Everybody, if you're into golf cards, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, good analysis there and feedback on the golf market from Paul. I think another person that can add a ton of good feedback in the entire sports card market is our guy Chase Krim over at Texas Roadshow. I was fortunate enough to, to be able to meet him alongside you, Paul, uh, at Culture Collision this past weekend. Him and his brother Cody are fantastic guys, uh, and I'm excited to being able to kind of create more content with them moving forward and kind of uh, strengthen that relationship. But we've got a fantastic card shop owner feature from our guy Chase Krim today to get into. Paul, you want to go ahead and let chase take things away chase and cody run texas roadshow cards part of roadshow cards many of you know kentucky roadshow and jimmy jimmy's the owner of all the roadshow cards but chase and cody run the shop down there in texas we hope to see them soon at a dallas card show coming up in 2024 but yeah i talked to chase about what it's like running texas roadshow cards so here's our conversation hopefully you guys enjoy It's been a while since my main man, Chase Krim from Texas Roadshow Cards, has been on the Sports Card Strategy Show. Good to see you, brother. How you doing, man? Yes, sir. Doing, doing good. good. It feels good to be back. Yeah, no, we, like, hope, 
Jordan, Jordan took some time off on the show, but now I'm back and better than ever. So, love it, love it. You are the Michael Jordan of the sports card strategy show. Come okay. to think of it, you are always bringing the heat. I'm trying. I'm trying. I just need to shave my head and then get a nice little cigar, and we'll be good. He's the six-time champ of the sports card strategy show and tell. That's for sure. Chase Krim from Texas Roadshow Cards, part of uh. Kentucky Roadshow and uh, all of the different Roadshow mm. cards, um, card shops out there. We're talking to card shop owners in 2024, Chase, because we feel like uh, obviously they're an amazingly important part of the hobby. You and your brother Cody run the uh, Texas location for Roadshow cards. Real quick, let the Sports Card Strategy Show audience know for the, for those of for those of our audience members that don't know, give us kind of the whole ecosystem of Roadshow cards. Give us the overview. All right, so uh, think of it as like a sport, as like a shop or store franchise. Uh, it started in Kentucky with Jimmy Mahan. He's like been in the hobby forever. He's a big like no figure as far as like always being positive like everyone loves him uh so he had this idea of owning like of the first like franchise card store like throughout america and we also have like an online presence in colombia in south america which a lot of people don't know about so we have four shops uh in the u.s uh me and my brother run the texas one and then there's also kentucky new york and cali and we also have like an online breaking thing in Colombia that's pretty new and like kind of like our foot in the water as for like the international market. Um, yeah, so we have four individual stores and then we all share like an online store presence. So if you order wax from us, you could get a box from like any of the stores. It just depends on like how our inventory is. Uh, so we have wax on there. We have uh, singles. And then you can also print out like uh, grading submission forms, uh, but you do have to drop those off in the shop. Um, and then we're also break breaking on whatnot loop fanatics live. Um, so we're just now getting into the breaking, like as far as like on a much bigger level than just doing like personal boxes for people on like Instagram and stuff. Uh, so we're on those three platforms. Uh, we're at shows all over the all over the country, uh, all throughout the year. Um, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> the grind, the grind uh, of yeah. the local card shop owner, and uh, the people that run your local card shop uh, are probably much like Chase and Cody and the rest of the uh, Texas Roadshow Cards team, where they're just grinding it out, doing all the different things in the hobby. And and now I'm sure it's a lot uh nicer for our audience to put a face and a voice with the name that we talk about all the time on the sports card strategy show for giving us the uh mm -hmm. the paul hickey the lefty mckee deals and everything so um we want to unpack the breaking actually here in a second but first i want to ask you as a as a as a person who runs a local card shop it's a big business how does seasonality influence your inventory and stock decision making walk us through that process all right um so seasonality i'm sure every other store owner will also tell you it also i think location matters more than seasonality um so being in texas obviously football's king here uh now granted we are lucky because we have luca who's one of the, like the new faces okay there's a cat almost 
<laughs> so we have Luca, who's like one of the faces of the NBA. So we do sell a lot of Luca stuff. Luca and Dirk, um, basically all time can sell it. Great Cowboys, basically all time can sell it. Um, now there is some seasonality that comes with like football. That's just like you know any other parts of the hobby. Um, so I obviously Dak was selling really well for us all throughout the season. Now after we lose, we're probably not going to be buying like too many Dak cards or any other Cowboys cards just because the season's over. Um, so now we're probably going to be focused more on like Luca, Dirt, any like liquid basketball. Um, and then starting to like prep for like the spring training for the baseball hype, um, which we also have the Texas Rangers too, lucky for us. So after they won, we also had a lot of people looking for Evan Carter, a lot of people looking for Josh Young, the newer guys. Um, so being in Dallas is nice because we have big teams. We have a big fan base in basically every sport uh, that you can always just like, all right, football season's over. Let's go to basketball. Basketball's over. You know, let's get uh, hyped up for football again, which football really gets hyped up uh, in Dallas because, you know, the Cowboys get hyped up every season. Um, but also another perk of being in Dallas is, like, it's kind of like the sports card mecca of the U.S. You know, you have – we have so many shops here. Like, it's – we have – I can name, like, six shops off the top of my head that – in the DFW area. And, you know, we have the Dallas show every two months. Uh, so we have the Dallas show six times a year. It's probably the second biggest card show in the country. Um, so you have people always flying in uh, from different parts of the country. So you just have a constant influx of new cards you're looking at every two months. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there is some seasonality, but with us being located in Dallas, always having a Dallas show on the horizon, we kind of stick to more liquid cards and, you know, like, all right, let's only have Bowman Chrome or Topps Chrome rookies in the shop for March. It's more of like, Hey, we have a Dallas show in March. We can move Herbert Burrow, Brady, Mahomes, Luca, Cade Cunningham. We can move it all. So, you know, let's just try to dip our toes into everything. So. Yeah, interesting point there about the location for you guys being almost taking seasonality out of it. That's that's mm -hmm. very cool. Um, let's go over to your customer base real quick. I'm curious to know, and I think our audience is is interested in this. If you had to split your customer base between flippers and PCers, what do you think that percentile split would look like? All right. Uh, so I think it again, it's a little different since we're in Dallas because there's so many. I feel like there's so many other stores, other flippers, other breakers located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I'd probably say like 80, 20 heavy on the flipping side. Now we will have like, we'll also have like the old, you know, stereotypical dude to come in trying to complete his sets. You know, he collects all the old cowboys and, and stuff like that. So probably 80, 20, we do still have some collectors. Um, but they're usually like the ones digging through value bins or like buying like the, you know, like the $25 Bob Billy sticker auto that comes out in every set uh, or the Jimmy Johnson like sticker auto that's in every set. Uh, they're not really the ones, you know, buying like the national treasures or flawless off the wall, but you know, it is important to cater to everyone. So that's what we try to do. 
80 20 flippers that's awesome that's awesome um okay speaking of flippers as a local card shop owner what advice would you give sports card flippers trying to build their inventory mm -hmm. so this is important um i think a lot of people in the hobby kind of just try to buy as low as they can and then try to sell as high as they can but which and like if anyone's been to the dallas card show you know that like we usually have a constant just horde of people around our booth because you know we tell everyone like dude like we'll sell well below ebay prices so just for example let's just say we have ten thousand dollars worth of cards we would rather sell that at eight thousand to one or two flippers because we know that they'll buy 80 percent of ebay comps and we'll just sell everything before we even get to the show and so we're going into the show with eight thousand dollars in our pocket so we try to like kind of like pre-sell everything or sell everything like the first day at 80 percent just boom 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 get stuff out the door get more cash in buy at the show and then the show is really just stuff so like the second or third day is really just stuff that we bought the first day that we're just trying to move as fast as possible on so i say that the most the biggest advice would be summed up as like give the next person room to make money on because if you do that like you can sell that ten thousand dollars worth of cards within like 30 minutes right and that's better than you know holding it maybe like two or three days at the show and then maybe getting 500 more dollars off that number but instead it's like oh we already got eight thousand we already bought more cards with it and sold some of that as well so just, just try, try to get stuff up. as soon as possible i love that point because i feel like if you focus on desirable cards then you're never going to really have a problem making money on it right mm -hmm. What goals do you have for growing the hobby and how do you plan to do so? I know this is like a bigger picture question, but obviously it's in every local card shop owner's best interest. Anyone in the hobby, it's in all of our best interest to help grow the hobby, I believe. What's your take on that? And being part of the Roadshow Cards family, uh, do you have goals for growing the hobby and how do you plan to do so? Right. right. Um, so if for anyone who knows Jimmy Mahan, our owner, you know that he so he has like a background in running like summer camps and like doing all the stuff for kids. So he's his focus is always on the next generation. Like like if you told him like, hey, we're breaking even this year, but like the next generation, like we we got X amount of people into the hobby this year, like he would take that like. 10 times out of 10. Um, so just like catering towards the the younger generation, like we always have, so like people who rip stuff, like they don't want to keep their base, even if it's like base rookies and stuff, we'll just put those in little team bags and we'll just hand them out to kids. Um, so then like, I mean, kids get excited, like even if it's just a base non-rookie prism of Dak Prescott, they're like, oh, I have a Dak Prescott card now, like that's super cool. And then they come in and it's like they start like learning like how to trade and like what's really valuable and and stuff like that and it'd be it's crazy to see like we've been open for a year and a half but we're already starting to see like dividends on like like we would give kids like free soccer packs like i mentioned 
and like how many kids a couple months later they come in with their mom and they're like buying the world cup stickers and it's like they're two dollars a piece but they're like oh i got i spend my ten dollar budget and getting like five sticker packs stuff like that um it's pretty easy if, if a kid comes up to a show and like you know oh i'm doing the trade-up challenge and they're like obviously gonna rip you off like i mean just let them like if you on a small card you take a ten dollar loss like that's nothing in the grand scheme of things if you're like doing everything else right so just we love for sure we know our audience loves all of that it's all about getting new people into the hobby especially the young kids and what better way to do that than at local hobby shops and card shows with people like you that are that are willing to give free stuff away and and help them out with their with their flips and their mm -hmm. trade-ups so you mentioned breaking earlier and we've already talked about all i think all of the valuable ways that local card shops and local hobby shops are like have great resources and are great resources for anybody in the hobby whether you're PCing, flipping or just getting into the hobby but talk to us about where breaking fits into that because as you know from being a listener and a contributor to the sports card strategy show we don't think breaking actually is a sports card strategy but what we do know is that it's highly entertaining it can be a gateway for new people into the hobby Talk about breaking and your experience with it now on the side of being a breaker. What's that been like for you? Yeah. yeah. So um, I haven't done much breaking. I have done some because we have like our mm -hmm. own like side. We have like our own breaking. Like everything on our breaking is like not connected to our card shops. Um, so like we have someone designed to do blue fanatics live and then uh, whatnot. Like I don't do any of that stuff, um, but I I have done breaking before, and I think if my <laughs> sorry, um, basically we know breaking's more for fun than it is to like a, a good a, a investment strategy. Um, now I think you can be smarter with breaking. Like I think there are some smart things you can do with breaking. So for instance, when Bowman Draft came out. I was on Fanatics Live and I was just like looking for Ranger slots, right? Because like for the spot of a Rangers and a case break, like if you hit a Wyatt Langford base auto, it like almost made up for the spot, but then you get all your firsts and like refractors and stuff like that. Um or like you like I did a fine uh tops finest break a couple weeks ago and like the Padres spot was like $25 or something like that. And I'm like, dude, I could hit one auto and like I make my money on. So you have to be smart about it. Now we do get people coming in. For example, a wife came into the shop. Like a, this was a couple months ago, but she was mad because her husband was supposed to broke a lot of stuff like the year before. And she got onto him because she knew nothing about it. And he was spending like thousands of dollars on it. Uh, and then she found a package on the porch and she just took it to us and she was like, I'm just going to give this to y'all because he needs to learn his lesson, blah, blah, blah. Now nothing was good in it. Um, so I think if you just know that like, if you advertise it as being fun and like the, the hot, like the biggest hobby part of the industry, then it's fine. But like, 
I will say I do have an issue with people like, oh, this is like the best way to make money. Open this box and you get a 10K card out of it. I'm like, yes, I will say like majority of products, like the best card in the set, yeah, I could sell for 10,000, but that's one card and like the millions of cards in the set. Um, so as long as you keep it fun, not try to make it an investment strategy and like make sure to advertise that to people, then... I think it can be a really fun way to get people in and that's usually what gets people hooked right into the hobby. So great stuff from Chase Krim, our main man from Texas Roadshow Cards. We love having you on the sports card strategy show and we're gonna have you on more and more throughout 2024, my man. All right, All right. Appreciate, appreciate it. Chase and his cat Cheeto bringing it strong on the sports card strategy show. Uh, Ziggy no in the house. Good to see Ziggy. Um, kind of funny because Ziggy and I have had some conversations offline about possibly there is a breaking strategy that we could bring to you guys. Um, there could be a way to, to do some math and, and understand what cards you could potentially hit in breaks. And maybe there is a sports card strategy for breaking. I know, our guy Ziggy No in the live chat has some knowledge there that I don't, and he has some experience there that I don't. So uh, I, I would love to dig into that further on the Sports Card Strategy Show and NoOffSeason.com with Ziggy No. He says, all products are statistical chases for hits. They give you the checklist. eBay gives you the comps. You do a little math, and breaking is the most mathematical method to enjoy cards. That's phenomenal. I mean, Ziggy and I have become good friends. And I'd love to, to unpack that further because I think that the more experience that we all get with something, we can get good at it. And if we can educate people on how to do it the right way, uh, it could be a win. And so uh, speaking of a win, I think that entire conversation with Chase was a win. I think it's a lot of takeaways there, Connor. One takeaway that I have from the jump at the beginning was he said that, they weren't going to be buying a lot of DAC. And I just thought, okay. And then he said, but we are going to be buying a lot of Luca. And I thought, okay. And then I'm thinking, you know what? It's kind of the opposite sports card strategy for people who are doing a lot of volume in-person transactions like local card shops and vendors at card shows and of course local card shops who are vendors at card shows like texas roadshow cards they kind of have to have their own sports card flipping strategy versus what we do with our audience from a virtual standpoint is we're encouraging people to buy DAC <laughs> in this type of a situation where he's out of the playoffs and we're, we're encouraging people to not buy luca after he puts up 70 points and it seems like there's a little bit of a difference as it relates to also what Chase said about just trying to keep cash flow moving. And I know with Maddox and with a lot of the people that we spent time with at Culture Collision this past weekend, seems like we've learned a lot along the lines of what Chase was talking about, what they do. It's interesting too that he said 80% of his patrons were were more flippers than they were collectors. What which, what did you take away from that conversation, Connor? Yeah, it was really a lot of value from that conversation. I think there was a couple of things that I really thought were interesting. One is that he says they try to pre-sale or sell out when they're going to card shows. They try to pre-sale uh, everything that they have at 80%. So they have additional cash flow to get in there. And I'm, I'm assuming that's because he knows that card shows that he can buy 
uh, at a greater discount than he would be able to buy off eBay and other places like that. Uh, so I, I, I thought that was really interesting from Chase. Um, also, I love that he mentioned the way to grow the hobby is getting the youth involved. I think, Paul, we kind of saw the uh, the fruits of this at Culture Collision. You know, we saw a lot of younger kids that appeared to be anywhere from the age of like eight to 12 uh, that were really mature, knew what they were doing and were successful in terms of the, the younger generation uh, flipping sports cards. So um, I love that Chase mentioned like for people that are trying to do, you know, the flip up challenge or things like that, just helping the younger generation out to keep them involved in the hobby. I think that's a great way to keep it growing because ultimately the younger generation will be the generation uh, up next. So good stuff there from Chase. Um, I 100% agree. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Although I will say I'm not letting anyone win a trade against me. I don't care how old they are. I'm not letting any of those little rugrats win trades. So Chase, you let them win trades. I'm not letting them win trades, but I do want them in the hobby. If there's a card that I don't really care about that much, I'll give it to a kid. But I want to make money, baby. Love it. Good stuff. All right. Another good thing that you've been doing, Paul, is getting these seven minutes of strategy videos together. They're on youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. You brought some interesting figures uh, from it really different scenes, different hobbies and things like that, that all have an interest in sports cards together. Some high profile names. I think you've been doing a fantastic job interviewing them. Up next, uh, we're going to have DJ Ski on seven minutes of strategy. Paul, you got a preview to show everyone. Uh, any comments before you get it rolling? If you don't know who DJ Ski is, you need to figure it out. And I hope that you watch our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Paul Hickey this Friday, February 2nd. My seven minutes of strategy that, spoiler alert, are actually 13 minutes of strategy with DJ Ski is phenomenal. He is a hobbyist. He is a remixer of music, hip-hop, and sports culture. He's designed cards for tops. He's invested in a bunch of hobby businesses that you know about whatnot loop gentlemen i mean the dude is legit and he's the nicest guy ever he's got a new business called therealist.com he just designed a card with blake corum and authenticated it with blake corum before talk about good timing connor before the rose bowl and then blake corum dominated in the rose bowl and apparently was the mvp of the national championship game so dj ski is just absolutely killing the game He's the nicest guy I've talked to in a long time. Here is a one-minute preview of my interview with DJ Ski that airs on the channel youtube.com slash Paul Hickey this Friday. DJ Ski, welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. And excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Paul. You just designed a, a card yeah. with Blake Corum and that NIL release. Can you hit on that real quick? Um, so teamed up with Blake to take advantage of the 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 we what we knew was coming from the Rose Bowl and what we hoped from the national championship. It kind of came together perfectly. This is really cool card that we designed. We're having him autograph a serialized number two hundred of them. What are the factors you look for when starting a sports card hobby company? Well, I'd rather invest in in a decent idea with a great team because I trust that they're going to figure it out versus just a great idea with an, an unseasoned team. Are you looking to invest in more hobby related companies? So we definitely in the future. Talk real quick about that new business. We think witness-based authentication with trusted third party people that document the whole way, that is the only way to go. So we're really excited about that business. And you'll see us working with a lot of other teams, players, leagues, um, artists, athletes, and uh, film and even TV companies. So, so this Friday, Seven Minutes of Strategy with DJ Ski. 
Why did he create a card with U of M running back Blake Corum? What does he look for when investing in hobby businesses? What is his latest venture, therealist.com, all about? What makes game-used slash stage-used memorabilia valuable? And why witness-based authentication is important? And of course, advice for aspiring card artists. Coming up, youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. Subscribe to the channel. Never miss a seven minutes of strategy episode. We've got Ski. We had Gary V. We had Brandon Steiner. Ski's number three. And we've got some amazing guests lined up for the coming Fridays. Connor, what do you think, man? I'm excited. He's a high energy guy that does a lot of good things. He's a people type guy. You know, he loves being around the right people to make things happen rather than focusing on the goal itself. He focuses on surrounding himself with the people that can make the goal happen. So uh, really excited for that full interview to drop. I think you're doing a fantastic job with the seven minutes of strategy. Uh, and looking forward to hear more information from DJ Ski there. Up next, we're going to hear from the audience a little bit. We're going to start things off with our guy, Lonnie Conley, and his 2024 goals. Uh, Lonnie's a grinder. You know, he buys a lot of collections, prices them out, and tries to make money uh, selling them that way. Uh, and I like hearing from him because he provides a lot of good different insight just from his perspective of how he makes money kind of flipping sports cards through the collections. Uh, so let's go ahead and hear what Lonnie Conley has in terms of setting and uh, accomplishing those 2024 goals. Lonnie, what are you cooking up for 2024, man? Hey, Paul. Hey, Lefty. Hey, Dr. Crack. Hey, all all you guys there at the uh, team at Sports Card Strategy Show. This is Lonnie Conley, uh, stores FF Holston on eBay. And uh, we have an Instagram page. It's FF underscore Holston, but we don't really do anything over there. Sometimes I just post uh, shiny card pictures uh, in there just because it looks so nice. But um Paul and the guys reached out and was looking for some quick uh, clips on goals for 2024 for some of us out here. And I really appreciate that. And I wanted to just, you know, send something back to the whole group, the team, everybody that listens, uh, see if it, you know, is any good for anybody, you know, to help them out. So I think about this as a business. I, I own a couple of businesses and this card thing is it's like a business to me. And so it's good to have goals because you got to be working towards something and it's usually good to have the end in mind anyway. And so uh, one of my biggest goals for this year, and you guys might laugh because some of you guys are further along than I am, but I really want to get some cross-platform stuff going on the store with uh, eBay and maybe uh, MySlabs. Um, I'm sure you guys have talked about it before at some point, but it's my understanding that if uh, you put your stuff on MySlabs from eBay, if someone buys it, it automatically takes it down uh, on the eBay side if they buy it on the MySlab side. And that's my that's my biggest fear with this whole thing is I do some shows and um, I do a lot of online e-commerce sales. And so I'm always nervous that um, I might sell something at a show and forget to take it down from the store immediately. So having everything at eBay is beneficial for that situation but I know I'm limiting myself and so I got to get past that fear like I have done with a lot of things and just learn how to do it. And once I learn, you mitigate the fear. So that's one of my biggest goals this year. I know it seems like a small goal, but it's big for me because the business is actually doing really well and it's getting bigger all the time as I buy more collections. Um, but you know, you get a little nervous about making change when you're, when you're a business owner. And so it's just something I have to learn and uh, take care of. Uh, so that's, that's my biggest goal for this year. Um, there's plenty of small goals like, you know, buying collections and, 
you know, finding the right stuff all the time. Those, there's plenty of goals there. But I just want to encourage all you guys out there to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, treat it like a business because it is. If you don't treat it like a business, then you know, you're going to treat it like a hobby. And you don't make a lot of money in hobbies, unfortunately. So, uh, But some of you guys are collectors, and I appreciate the collectors out there. Because I like to think collectors are my biggest customers because I try to buy interesting things that collectors might want. So I'm right up against the three minutes. Hopefully some of this is helpful. You guys have a great day, and I'll be listening to you on the line. Talk to you soon. Lonnie Conley's my guy. He always brings it strong. He's got a great grind going on. I love that he treats it like a business. That's what we encourage everybody to do as well. And of course it is a hobby. We, you know, when you can have a hobby that funds your life, uh, that is a perfect storm. And Lonnie does a great job. Shout out to Lonnie Conley. One thing he mentioned there, Connor, was about kind of cross-platform selling online. And there are some great tools that allow you to do that. I don't know off the top of my head, honestly, that my slabs does what he says it does unless they added a feature recently and I haven't used it yet. I've used my slabs in eBay and, but there are third party tools that will integrate across marketplaces. Um, I believe mascot is one with mascot.com shout out to drew Howerton, one of our audience members who told me about that. A lot of people have started to use that. And then there's Chronosio chrono card, uh, shout out to Jonathan, who we met at the National. I met him at Mint Collective as well. He's the owner of Cronosio. Uh, Rob Masora, shout out Bob's Card Market. Rob Masora told me about hooking up with Jonathan. So there are great third-party platforms. We're probably going to have those guys on the Sports Card Strategy Show to talk about their third-party platforms and how they integrate across marketplaces. But Lonnie's right. You got to got to pay attention to the fact that if you're if you put something out at a card show, you probably want to make sure that you, you manually take that down. That could actually be a good future question, Connor, for our card shop owner features to talk to them about what they do when they have a sale of a card online that they've posted and they, they have either already sold it at a card show or are, are bringing it out to card shows. Um, yeah, Ziggy No um, saying... Uh, mascot 2.0 is out. He's not affiliated, but he uses it and he's a fan. And yeah, Lonnie nails it. If you want to make money, own it. Don't use a PC as a crutch. Love Ziggy. I I, I love Ziggy. He's the man. Um, Real quick, Connor, before I pass it over to you for the audience QA, I do want to remind everybody, CGC Cards, cgccards.com, perfect PC protection starting at $12.00 check them out. We do have a relationship with them. They are a current sponsor of the nooffseason.com sports card network. Full disclosure, everybody, full transparency. I have never graded a card with CGC cards. I am a fan of the fact that they have rebranded again and are staying consistent moving forward with CGC in the black label. I believe that if you want to protect your PC cards, which I don't PC, I believe that it is a good option for you at $12 a card. I do. I have seen firsthand their graders grade cards at Mint Collective. I do believe that they are high quality graders. I will say this. I don't grade my cards with CGC. I grade my cards with PSA. The reason I do is because I'm a flipper only and PSA sells for the best on the secondary market. But if you are PCing cards, I would encourage you to at least check out cgccards.com. Perfect PC protection starting at $12. Connor, take it away, man. 
Thanks, Paul. Yeah, let's hop right into audience Q&A, kicking things off with Bo Belcher. Says, what's up, fellas? With the coining a card idea, he's referring to Lefty earlier, talking about mitigating risk from the virtual trades. Does that help a card sell on eBay if you have that verification in the photo so people don't have to investigate? Uh, is it valid? Um, Shane Graham answered it, said, Bo, for eBay, you shouldn't have to coin a card as you are on as you are protected by eBay. On Facebook or Instagram, you are not protected, so that's why coining is important. Um, good point there by Shane. Shane, thanks for helping our guy Bo out. But I did want to mention, Paul, uh, if you're, you know, we talk a lot about having good feedback on eBay to help yourself sell more cards, look more appealing to buyers. Um, if you are a newer seller, is it worth doing something like this to try to uh, give yourself some more validity starting off before you kind of have reviews in there? I've always thought coining cards is kind of a pain in the butt. Um, you know, you got to get your, like, I like to take my P, my PSA pictures online and just download them and name them and that's an efficient process for me but uh you know i'm kind of angry when i have to get my my nooffseason.com mouse pad out and, and take actual photos of my cards i just think it's kind of inefficient so then what do i have to do i have to flip and get a sticky note out and put my name uh with the date and all that stuff on it i mean i get why people coin cards on social media but i just think that's becoming a little antiquated and if we're selling cards on ebay we definitely don't need to do that. And I think um, a lot of people who I respect would say that the more noise that's in the photo, right? The more that that takes the eyeball away from the card, specifically on eBay or MySlabs or an online marketplace where you're protected, um, don't coin the card. Don't, don't give the visual away to anything but the card. And uh, typically you'll see that your card will sell better. Good stuff. Thanks, Paul. Up next, we got Mr. T. He says, do you ever flip rookie cards of coaches who are former players, prime time, Coach Harbaugh, Campbell, et cetera? Uh, Mr. T, you'll see in some of our our previous uh, sales of the week, guys like Deion Sanders being in there and different guys uh, just based on news spikes. But, uh, Paul, we don't really talk about buying specific guys uh, in hopes of, of markers. Uh, do we flip rookie cards of coaches who were former players? Why or why not? And what should you be looking for? I personally don't, but we saw Deion Sanders' cards spike in September when he was on fire at Colorado. His team had a good start to the season, and his 1989 score base spiked along with even his tops and even his 1989 pro set, which is his lower lowest tier rookie card. So it can be done, Mr. T. I think it's, uh, you know, we even saw Bill Belichick's uh, card spike a little bit when he left the Patriots earlier this month. So it definitely can happen. But in terms of like actually buying it with the anticipation to happen, I really wouldn't recommend it. I mean, one more thing is I think Steve Kerr's 1989 NBA hoops base for the Cavaliers, I think spiked a few years ago when, you know, Golden State made a run. So it's possible, but I don't think it's a play. Love it. Let's stick with Mr. T here. Do you think football will overtake baseball and basketball in the coming years in terms of volumes of cards graded, sold, etc. The NFL is the greatest soap opera in the universe. I've said that since probably 2005 when I really started playing dynasty fantasy football. You've got millions and millions and millions and millions of people worldwide hanging on every single news update 365 days a year for the NFL. So I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I think that Roger Goodell is the best commissioner in professional sports. The NFL is an amazing marketing machine and uh, they're doing everything they can always to 
grow the game globally. I think that as the NFL continues to grow globally, you know, with with uh, we've seen the Europe games continue to increase. We've seen uh, the Jaguars basically have a second hometown fan base in London. Uh, it's possible, Mr. T. You know, that's not the type of stuff that I necessarily track, but I I do believe in the NFL big time. Good stuff there. Earlier we talked uh, Giannis a little bit, and I brought up uh, you know a hoops base. 2013 hoops base in PSA 10 being a potential buy. Uh, it was kind of an outlier sale that we discussed. Although if you do look at the 365 day average uh, or the last 180 day average of this card is 256. So most of the sales, even without that outlier are down right now, making this an interesting buy. And we did note that outlier, but uh, I know you wanted to dive in a little bit to the conversation that Shane and Chad uh, were having here. So you want to start breaking things down? Yeah. Chad and Shane are talking in the live chat here. And I wanted to bring up the Dr. Crack chalks underscore cards mess. He said he messaged the owner when he saw the outlier sale because it says best offer accepted. The owner had no idea what I was talking about and said he still had the card and was asking 275. I wanted to know if he had any other cards I could offer 50% on LOL. So um, props to Dr. Crack for his shiftiness his scrappiness on trying to get deals on cards i love it and uh i guess tbd on whether or not market movers cleans up that sale so we'll see i know sometimes market movers will have a sale and then later on they'll clean it up if it did not in fact get paid for so if that 125 outlier sale was in fact a bogus transaction then I would think our friends over at marketmoversapp.com, Teapot, Zach, the crew over there would clean that up. They always do a nice job. And again, you can save 20% after a free 14-day trial at marketmoversapp.com by using the promo code NOOFFSEASON. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, and Chad also mentioned it's a good strategy there. So if he sees a sale of a cheap card, looks to see if the seller has any other cards for sale. Sometimes you can find a desperate seller and get great deals. thought that was a great point there from chad i think that might wrap it up paul do you have anything else from the audience that you want to touch on real quick speaking of chad just a little teaser here for those of you who don't know chad was an audience member up until about january 2023 when i realized he was so good at dropping nuggets of information like this in the live chat that i said let's talk brother because you are amazing and then chad essentially became a co-host on the sports card strategy show for basically all of 2023 with Lefty and I. Well, I said earlier in this episode, there's going to be more Chad and more Lefty right here on the nooffseason.com sports card network coming your way. Stay subscribed to the sports card strategy show feed. Stay subscribed to youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. There will be nothing but more Connor, more Paul, more Lefty, more Chad, and more all of you in 2024, Connor, and I am pumped about it, brother. Let's yoast them. Let's hit them with the outro. Have a great day. Thanks so much for being here with us on the Sports Card Strategy Show. To connect with us further, please subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash paulhickey. Please also give us a follow on Instagram at Sports Card Strategy and on X at No Off Season Card. 
We also have a Discord that you could join at sportscardstrategy.com. Everyone, I'm Paul Hickey. For the rest of us here at nooffseason.com, have a great day. We'll see you again soon.